the CWCCS podcast, Bible teaching from Pastor Al Pittman of Calvary Worship Center of Colorado Springs. We're continuing our study in the book of Colossians with the series titled The Deeper Life. Today in chapter 1, verses 9 through 14, Pastor Al answers the question, what does it mean to be filled as a believer, personally and spiritually? Let's go now to Pastor Al. Welcome to those of you here with us for the first time, and we're glad you could join us today. We are in the book of Colossians, as has been already mentioned. Uh, we're going to be in verse, or in verse, in chapter 1 of Colossians. So please find your place in the Word of God. I started a series of uh, uh, messages, and a series of messages, but actually started a study in the book of Colossians last week, but the theme of the uh, messages as we go through the book of Colossians is the deeper life. And... Um, Today we're going to talk about the knowledge of Christ. Colossians chapter 1 verses 9 to 14. To pursue the deeper life in Christ is to treasure the knowledge of God. As the saying goes, it's not what you know, but who you know. (laughs) So true within the church. Do you know Christ? The reason for the church's existence is the pursuit of Christ. The magnification of Christ, the centrality of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's all about Jesus. Amen. Christ, or to know Christ, or to know Christ is to know the will of God. Which is essential to our continual growth in faith and love and hope. Remember those three points from last week's sermon? No, you don't remember. All right, anyway. We talked about faith and love and hope. How do we continue to grow in those things? How do we continue to cause the roots of our faith and love and hope to grow deeper? It's through the knowledge of God's will, through the knowledge of Christ. Paul, understanding this, declares here in verse 9 to the church in Coloss, he says, for this reason, we also, since today we heard, heard it, do not cease to pray for you. For what reason? For the reason of your faith, your love, And your hope in Jesus Christ. We continue to pray for you. And to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of God's will. With his will. In what? In all wisdom and spiritual understanding. And we'll stop right there. But we're going to look at four characteristics, if you will, or four ways um, we can continue to be filled uh, with the knowledge of God's will in our lives. And uh, it is through wisdom. It is through spiritual understanding. Number two, number three, through godly conduct. And number four, through the knowledge of our inheritance in Jesus. Amen. The Greek word for knowledge is epignosis. Epignosis literally means precise or correct knowledge. Paul says, I want you to have the precise and correct knowledge of God's will in Christ. And the precise and correct knowledge of who God is is not found in the laboratory or, you know, uh, in religion. It's found really 
through the knowledge of Jesus Christ. For the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 that Jesus is the expressed image of God. You want to know what God is like? Look at the life of Jesus. Be a pursuer of the life of Christ. Paul says, I want you to have this knowledge that you may be filled with this knowledge. That phrase, may, you may be filled, in Greek it means literally to, to furnish, or furnish or to supply, to be filled to the brim, nothing wanting, to cause God's will to be obeyed. You could say a filled believer is an obedient believer. When you're filled with the knowledge of God. A filled believer is an obedient believer. They want to obey God. Because they're in pursuit of Christ. Filled with the knowledge of God. A lot of Christians want to live their lives like the old Brill Cream commercial back in the 60s. I've been around for a long time. Amen. How many of you remember the Brill Cream commercial? Amen. What was the slogan? A little dab will do you. And a lot of times, Christians live their lives like that. Well, I'll show up on Sunday, hit it, and quit. Amen. <laughs> a little dab will do you. Now, in full disclosure, that commercial didn't mean a whole lot to me. Because <laughs> I was using Afro Sheen. Amen. Beautiful people use Afro Sheen. Come on now, don't leave me hanging. Y'all know what I'm... Amen. But the point of it is, is that sometimes we just think a little dab. God says, I want you filled to the brim, full, fully furnished. Amen. That you might obey my word. And so to be filled, as we, I said earlier, we're going to look at the fullness of the knowledge of God according to wisdom. According to spiritual understanding. According to godly conduct. And according to the knowledge of our inheritance, we start with wisdom. Paul says that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10, it says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. To walk in wisdom, what does that mean? Boil it all down, it means to revere the word of God. The believer's life ought to be governed by the word of God. My thought process should be governed by the word of God. Let the meditation of my mind, the words of my mouth, be pleasing, Lord, in your sight. My thoughts, and, and, and I, you know, I get attacked just like you, and my thoughts can go way out some other place, and I say, that's not God. The Bible says take every thought, what? Captive. Amen? To the obedience of Christ. And so, you know, but as a, as a rule, as, as a follower of Christ, as a pursuer of the knowledge of God, to be filled with the knowledge of God, you know, uh, I must indeed, my thought patterns must be governed by the, by the word of God, and my actions must be governed by the word of God. A lot of times people will come up and say things to me that I know are not from God, and I'll say, did God tell you that? Because I never want to be in anybody's shoes who says, God told me that, and then stand before God and God say, you said, thus saith the Lord, and I did not speak. Why'd you lie on me? 
The believer ought to be governed by the word of God, by the will of God. It is a fool's folly to abandon God's word. The Bible says again that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, the beginning of wisdom, the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. If you're someone who can't be taught and you know everything, you're a fool. Straight up. You know? Other pastors would probably say, oh, you're challenged and, you know, no, you're a fool. <laughs> you came to the wrong place today, amen? I'm just going to tell you like it is. You're a fool. To abandon the wisdom of God. In fact, as a believer, when we, when we push against God's wisdom, his word in our lives, what we are literally doing is despising the word. I'm not despising it. I just, you know, and I know we have to work through issues. I get all that. But at the end of the day, as they say, are we going to obey God's word or not? And if we don't obey it, we are actually despising it. You ever despise something? Can't stand to be around it. You you know, oh, I've never treated God's word that way. If we don't obey it, we're saying we despise it. Remember when David was uh, caught in his sin we know the sin. It's a sin of uh, adultery. He, he, he basically, rather, <laughs> when adultery was worse than that, he seduced another man's wife. And then to cover up his deed, because she came, turned up pregnant, he had her husband killed. And Nathan, uh, Nathan the prophet came to him and was telling him a, a story about a, a rich man who had many sheep and A poor man who only had only one sheep and took care of that sheep and cherished that sheep and loved that sheep. And the rich man had a traveler come into town and he needed to prepare a meal for the traveler. And rather than take one of his many uh, sheep from many of his flocks, the many flocks that he had, he took the poor man's one ewe lamb, the Bible gives, a young lamb, and, and slaughtered it and prepared a meal for the traveler. And David, when he heard the story, Nathan the prophet was giving him this this, uh, scenario. Uh, David became furious, upset. He said, this guy's going to pay back, you know, and, you know, we need to, you know. He was, he was incensed about what had happened to this poor man. And that's when Nathan sprang in on him. And Nathan said, David, you're the man. Broke him down. Now, we know David repented of his sin and God forgave him of his sin, but there were consequences because of his sin. But what Nathan said to David that was, you know, I'm sure shocking to David, but it was the truth. Why have you despised the commandment of the Lord? Because that's exactly what you do. In order for you to do that deed, you had to first despise God's word. And I always tell people, before you lie to your spouse, before you cheat, whatever you do in life that you know is against the word of God, you do it first against God before you do it against anybody else. You first despise the word, and then you do those things. So he rebuked David because he had despised the word of the Lord. Living according to God's wisdom is the deeper life. Again, this is what this, the theme is throughout the book of Colossians, the deeper life. God is calling us to the deeper life. And I, I want to live, Lord, according to your wisdom. If I want to live according to your wisdom, it's a call to the deeper life. Because feelings can lie to you. Amen? Feelings can lie to you. Amen? Feelings can tell you that you, you're 25 when you're really 50. I feel 25, but don't you jump off that roof. Or don't, don't, don't you try to do that dance move. You know, something going to pop. Amen. 
Feeling, you may feel like you're 20. You ain't. You're 65, whatever, you know. Yeah, that's wisdom. Amen. That's, I'm just passing on. That's free. Amen. <laughs> Feelings can lie to you. Amen. Feelings can lie to you. Cause you to do things that, that you will regret the next morning. I never met anybody walking in the wisdom of God who had a hangover. I never met anyone walking in the wisdom of God who woke up with regrets. There's no regrets with the word of God. There's only great reward. Great reward. That's what the Bible says in Psalm 19. Psalm 19, beginning at verse 7. Listen to these words. It's the law of the Lord. That is the word of the Lord. It's perfect. Converting the soul. The testimony, the word of the Lord is sure. Making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord, that is the word of the Lord. Are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandments of the Lord, the word of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean and enduring forever. The judgments, the word of the Lord, of the Lord, are true and righteous altogether. Moreover, to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned. Thank God. God's word has kept me out of a lot of mess. I've, I've managed to get into quite a bit myself on my own. But God's word has really kept me from a lot of stuff. By them, by his word, your servant is warned. And in keeping them, there is what? Great reward. No hangover. No regret. Great reward. Amen. The deeper life is a life submitted To the counsel, that is the wisdom, the instruction, and the judgment, judgments of God's word. Paul says, I want you to be filled to the brim with all the wisdom of God. And I want you to be filled, secondly, to the brim with spiritual understanding. So our second point. Spiritual understanding, in other words, discernment. Discernment. God wants us to have discernment. First John chapter 4, verse 1 says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God. Why? Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Don't be deceived. We live in an age of strong delusion, and uh, it's really easy sometimes, even for believers, to be deceived if we're not careful. Test the spirits. How do you test the spirits? By the word of God. Somebody tells you something that's off the wall or whatever, and the Lord spoke to me or whatever, you know, you, you go and say, well, that doesn't line up with Scripture. And guess what? It's not true. If it doesn't line up with Scripture, God is consistent from Genesis to Revelation. Amen? Spiritual discernment is one of the most neglected aspects of Christian living within the church. Spiritual discernment. And we really do not have an excuse. We don't know everything. We don't have, you know, have book of Genesis memorized or anything like that. Uh, but God gives us spiritual discernment. In fact, Jesus said in John chapter 16, however, when he, that is the spirit of truth, that's the Holy Spirit, has come, he will guide you into some truth. No, all truth. Amen. 
Whatever, in whatever situation I'm dealing with in my life, if I need truth, I need to know what's going on. I need, God, I need God's uh, guidance for me, some discernment in my life. You know, God will speak to us. The reason we don't go to God is because we don't want to hear what God has to say. Amen. That, that, that's the bottom line. We say, Lord, you really want me to marry this person? Lord, just really show me. And God says, no. <laughs> now, Lord, really speak to me. Do not be unequally yoked. Yeah, but really, I really need to know. You see what I'm saying? We, we just, we play this game with God. And, and we've all done it. Come on, let's be honest. But we have no, really have no excuse. He's given us the Holy Spirit, lead us into all truth. Biblical literacy, knowing the word of God and spiritual understanding go hand in hand together. You can't really have spiritual discernment if you don't know the word of God. And that's why... I will always encourage you to read your Bible. I'm not here to read it for you. You have to read it for yourself. So you have spirits. And as you understand the word of God and grow in the knowledge of the word of God, you know, you grow in the area of spiritual understanding. Biblical illiteracy within the church is a self-inflicted wound. We can't blame the world for it. We can't blame the media for it. We've done it to ourselves by neglecting the word of God. Biblical illiteracy is a self-inflicted wound. I was reading where some people who are claiming to be Christians and, and a lot of people in America, you know, just so biblically illiterate, they don't know what the word of God says. And that's the way the devil likes it. So there's some people out there believe that, the Jonah, that Joan of Arc was Noah's wife. Amen. Stuff like that, you know. That the S- Sermon on the Mount. Sermon on the Mount was given by Billy Graham. And, and, and here's the classic, you know. The Bible says God helps those who help themselves. I'm not even going to ask for a show of hands of how many of you believe that. Because it's not even in the Bible. And because we're biblically illiterate, we're getting our Bible, our Bible teaching from Hollywood. And from false teachers. And we wonder why we're spiritually deceived. Because see, to the devil, a biblically illiterate believer is low-hanging fruit. Easily deceived. Amen? Amen. Give God praise and glory. It's the truth. That's why he calls us to be in his word. You can talk about praise the Lord, hallelujah, sing all the songs, jump or roll around in church and everything else. But if you don't know the word of God, the devil said, you're just low-hanging fruit. Anytime I want to get to you, I know how to get to you. And you can be easily deceived by the enemy. So Paul prays for the church in Colossae. He says, you know, I want you guys to be filled. Not with just a little bit. Not a little dab of do you. But with spiritual understanding, lest you be deceived. I found, and I know in my life, maybe you can relate to this, but really ignorance, not knowing the word, and the tyranny of the urgent are like a breeding ground for spiritual deception. You've got to be careful. If spiritual understanding has taught me anything, it has taught me that God always leads his people. He doesn't herd them like cattle. It's a difference. I think sometimes, you know, again, I'm a victim of my 
era that I was raised in, but I think sometimes Christians lived their lives not reflective of a shepherd leading the sheep, but as, you know, the old Western TV show, Rawhide. You remember Rawhide? Anybody? I got some folks in here around my age. Amen. All right, now you got to sing the song with me. Rolling, rolling, rolling. Rolling, rolling, rolling. Keep them doggies moving. Keep them doggies moving. Rawhide. You're like, yeah! That's my Christian life. Amen? Going to church. Rolling, rolling, rolling. Yeah! Get out the house. Yeah! You know. We're obeying God. Yeah! You know. Feeling the lash on your back. God's hurting me. No, it ain't God. It's ignorance and tyranny of the urgent. Because the God we serve leads us. He walks before us beside still waters. Not rough waters. Green pastures. Not weeds that look like grass. He leads us. Philippians 4 reminds us, be anxious for some things. No, be anxious for nothing. But in all things, in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all, of your cognitive reasoning and understanding will guard your hearts and mind through Christ Jesus. The acrostic halt, H-A-L-T, has been a, an aid to me in my life and slowing me down. Because I, 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 I get in panic mode over things. And I think sometimes in the church, not sometimes, I know for a fact we do. We watch the news, we come into church, with the spirit of the world on us in panic mode and when is Pastor Al going to preach about that and how come he doesn't preach about this and how can he preach about that he thought I'm just going to preach the word and we're in panic mode we got to do something Pastor we're, we're going to sign a petition we got to do something ah! God is never in a hurry but we are God is never in a hurry God's like oh, you got to do something God is never that's never God never God Because the Bible tells us in Psalm chapter 2, he sits on his throne and laughs at what the wicked is doing. That he's large and in charge and he will have the final word. Amen? So why are we in panic mode all the time? We need to halt. I love that, that acrostic halt. It stands for never make any major decision when you're hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. I'm not going to ask you to go back in your memory and think about all the decisions you made when you were hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. But I guarantee you the decisions you made in those times, they weren't good decisions. Because you felt herded like cattle rather than following the lead of our shepherd. If you ever feel that way and you got to make a major decision, halt. Amen. I've learned when problems get big, get smaller. I've been in many situations where I've been, my back's against the walls. And Lord, I don't know what to do. And I just, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to be still and know that you're God. I'm going to get smaller. Amen. And 
Scripture tells us basically to, to do that. To not lean on our own understanding. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. He should direct your path. God is directing our steps. Teaching us how to trust in him and to walk according to his rhythm. And not the rhythm of the world. I was thinking about that movie. Uh, I forget what name of it. It doesn't matter. But Will Smith is in it. He, you know, he's a he's a matchmaker. He's this you know, cool looking matchmaker guy, and he, he's got this really awkward guy that he's working with, and and uh, he's trying to teach him how to when you're dancing with a girl. He said, "Just how you dance, just just keep it right here. Mm. Uh, 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 just right here, just right. Don't don't you know." And the other guy's freaking out, doing all kind of dance moves and stuff. No, 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 right here, just right here. Right. I think the Holy Spirit sometimes says, you know what? Don't lean into your own understanding. Keep it right here. <laughs> Has he been faithful to you? Yeah. You keep it right here. Yeah. Amen. Does he love you? Yeah, but keep it right here. <laughs> Is he powerful? Yeah. Oh, then keep it right here. Why are you panning? Why do you, why are you instead of dancing to 2-4? That's 2-4. You're doing 1-3. Amen. <laughs> Acknowledge him. Keep it right here. In all your ways. And he will direct your steps. Amen. Spiritual understanding enables us to walk at God's pace. Not our own. Spiritual understanding also enables us to discern between the unclean and the clean. I think it's an important point to make before we move on to the next point because we live in an age where that which is unclean is being called clean and that which is clean is being called unclean. That which is good is being called evil and that which is evil is now being called good. And God have mercy on his shepherds who teach the flock of God who do not Teach them the word of God that the people may understand the difference between unclean and clean. Amen. Give God praise and glory. Amen. Ezekiel 44 verse 23. The Lord says that they are to teach my priests, my leaders, spiritual leaders. They are to teach my people the difference between the holy and the common. And show them how to distinguish between the unclean and the clean. That's why God gives us spiritual understanding. He wants us to be filled with spiritual understanding. So that we're not deceived. Like many churches and many believers are being deceived today. To embrace what the world is embracing. Rather than embracing the word of God. Do not be deceived my friends. Spiritual understanding. Is a life. In concert with the Spirit of God, rather than being intermittently connected with God or separated from God altogether. We are people of the Spirit. We live our life in the Spirit, not in the flesh. And I know the flesh wars against the Spirit. We all have our battles. 
But at the end of the day, we are to be people who are walking devoted to and dedicated to walking, living our lives in spirit by the leading of the spirit. That we might have spiritual understanding. Romans chapter 8 verse 14. Paul says, for as many as are led by the spirit of God, these are sons and daughters of God. And we can't say, well, you know, I'm, I'm led by the spirit and I'm walking in the flesh all the time. If I truly am a son or daughter of God, then I must be relying upon what is the spirit of God saying? Now, there's sometimes we don't really know. We, we just, Lord, I'm not getting a clear signal from God or whatever. Find somebody, a seasoned saint. Somebody who's not just doesn't know the knowledge, know the word, but they walked it out in their lives. Seek them out and they'll tell you the truth. Someone that is filled with spiritual understanding. You know, whether that's making an appointment to meet with a pastor or what have you. But that's so important to come in. Seek somebody that's going to give you godly counsel. There are certain people, certain uh, individuals who call themselves Christians who offer counseling, but all they give you is counsel from the wisdom of the world. You need someone who's going to give you counseling from God's love letter from this book. Amen? So that you can have spiritual understanding. Now let's move on. We spent a lot of time there, but wisdom, spiritual understanding, you know, evidence of being filled with the knowledge of God's will. And the third thing is godly conduct. Now, Colossians chapter 1 again, we look here at verse 10 where Paul says, I'm asking you to be filled with wisdom and understanding. Why? That you may walk worthy. If I'm going to walk worthy of Jesus, I need to walk with wisdom and spiritual understanding. That you may walk worthy. He goes on to say here, of the Lord, fully pleasing him being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. What is it to walk worthy? What does it mean to walk worthy? Well, verse 10 really gives us three characteristics of walking worthy. The first one is fully pleasing God. We cannot walk worthy of Christ unless we are fully pleasing, living to fully please Christ. Because the fear of man is a snare. If we're trying to please everybody else, you'll never never please anyone. If you don't please anybody, you know, I mean, if you can't keep everybody happy, you try to do that, you go insane. Here's the main thing we ought to be concerned with is God pleased with it. Fully, not partially, not some of the time, not once a week, but fully every day and every aspect of my life, pleasing the Lord. I want to please the Lord. That's what it means to walk worthy. Living out the Jewish Shema. The Jewish Shema, the word Shema in Hebrew means here. The Jewish Shema is found in a couple of places in the Old Testament. In one place is Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 to 9. And there we find in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 and 5, the introduction of the Shema. Which is the greatest commandment of all. And it says, hear, O Israel. The Lord, our God. The Lord is one. You shall love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. That's what it means to to fully please the Lord. To love the Lord, the Lord, love Christ above everything else. Even above my own life. 
Jesus said, if you don't love me more than your own family, you can't be my disciple. If you do not deny yourself and pick up your cross and follow me, you can't be my disciple. You must love me more than yourself and even those who are in your family. It's walking out the greatest commandment of all. Love the Lord thy God with all your heart, soul, and your strength. Paul warned that in the last days, that men will be lovers. Amen. Say, so, oh, Paul was right. I'm a lover. <laughs> but the wrong kind of lovers. It will be lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Do we love God more than the pleasures of this world? Because the pleasures of this world can rob us of our love for God. I want to be known as a lover of God, not a lover of pleasure. Now, my flesh doesn't like to hear that. But I know that the lover of God, that that path leads to life and life abundantly. It leads to a life of no regret. But a lover of pleasure has many regrets. Many men have been lovers of pleasure and have forfeited their families and their marriages and the now alone. Many women have done the same thing. May we be known not as lovers of pleasure, but as lovers of God. So to walk worthy is to love God more than anything else. Secondly, to walk worthy, it means to be fruitful. How do we be fruitful? Well, Jesus told us. Amen. We'll go right to our rabbi. Amen. To our teacher. And this is what he said in John chapter 15. He said, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me stays in me, continues in me, rests in me. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do what? Nada. Nothing. Zilch. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. It's symbolic here of hell itself. Jesus speaking about hell. Then he goes on to say, but if you abide in me, and here's the catch, my words abide in you. You will ask what you desire and it shall, shall, it shall be done for you. By this my father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So you will be my disciple. If we're going to be his disciple, followers of Christ in pursuit of Christ, we need to abide in him. If we're going to bear fruit, we need to abide in him And what happens is that we naturally bear fruit. We don't have to take a special seminar. I'm not against seminars or whatever, but, you know, just like an apple tree or fruit tree abides in the trunk, that branch, it naturally bears fruit. Why? Because it's a a part of the trunk, right? And that that branch of the vineyard, you know, in the the vineyard is going to naturally, you know, give, you know, have, have grapes, have fruit on it because it's attached to the vine. But you, have you noticed what, notice what Jesus says here? Those branches that are dead, that are not in me, they're going to be cut off. They'll be thrown into the fire because association does not mean that you're are really a part of the vine. 
There's a lot of people who are associated with the vine, but they're not really a part of the vine. Amen. And the way we know that those the difference between those who are associated with the vine, with Jesus, and those who are really a part of Jesus is that those who are part of Jesus will naturally, didn't say they were perfect, but they will naturally bear fruit. And those who are not of Jesus, who just associated with Jesus, come to church and shout and holler and everything else, but they're not of Jesus, there's no fruit on the branch. There's no fruit. And it will be cut off and thrown into the fire. Speaking of the day of judgment. So we can bear fruit if we're truly going to walk worthy of Jesus. We ought to be bearing fruit in our life. You know, it doesn't mean that we need to be packing stadiums full of 50,000 people and preaching the gospel and being Billy Graham or anything. No, it just simply means there ought to be evidence of your faith, love, joy, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, kindness, the fruit of the Holy Spirit being manifested in your life. Some of our fruit is ripe. Woo! Some of it is a little green. But it's still fruit. And God is still working on us. Amen? Praise his name. But no fruit. Amen. God knows who you are. Amen. So, to walk worthy, to love God more than anything, to be fruitful, and thirdly, to abound in Christ. In other words, I need to continue to grow in Jesus Christ, to abound in the Lord. It's not just enough to say, you know, I'm, I learned so much so many years ago. No, I need to continue to grow in the Lord. That's, you can never exhaust God's word. You can never exhaust the Lord. It's so much more, so much depth. And he wants us to continue to grow to abound. Amen. In him. Even for some of us around my age or whatever, you're retired. You think, okay, I've done it all. No, continue to grow. To abound in Christ. That's what God wants for us. He has more for us. Ever increasing in the knowledge of God. And Peter tells us how to do that in 2 Peter chapter 1. You can write these down for sake of time. I'm reading them on here pretty quick, but uh, reading pretty quick here. But uh, 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 5. Peter tells us how to abound. He says, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith... Virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. Continue to abound. For these things are yours and abound. Amen. You will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus, for he who lacks these things is short-sighted even unto blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. So true. You show me a Christian, a person says they're a Christian, and they're not abounding in the Lord, I'll show you someone who's quick to criticize other people. But you show me someone that's abounding in Christ, I'll show you someone who remembers God's grace, who remembers the cross. Amen? People who are not abounding in the Lord, it's easy for them to be critical. Because, you know, they've been around the church for a while, they learn the lingo, they learn a couple of verses, and they think they're all that, and the church can't make it without them. Amen. And then they become critics of the church, and, you know, and all this kind of thing. And, and you, know, it's, you know what? A person who does that, you've forgotten where God brought you from, didn't you? Amen. I know you all looking good today. You all cleaned up, got your clothes on right, and your right mind 
clothed and seated at the feet of Jesus. But guess where he found you? Look, don't forget where he found you. Amen. Messed up. Amen. How he found us in the gutter, picked us up, cleaned us up. You know, made you look like you knew something. <laughs> Got your promotion on your job. He's, he's blessed you. He's, he's taken care of you. He's blessed your life. And don't ever forget where you come from. Not that you can live in the past, but remember, so that you can have a heart of gratitude toward God. Amen. Abound in Christ. We can continue to abound in him. And as we abound in him, notice, we are strengthened. uh, We're given strength. We grow, I should say, in strength and endurance. I go back to Colossians chapter 1, and I read verse 11 here where it says, you know, he says, increasing in the knowledge of God. Then he says, uh, strengthen with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long suffering. Then he says, with joy. So you're abounding in the Lord. And why, why do I want to abound? So that you can, you know, continue to increase in the knowledge of the Lord and, and, and have strength and, and, and uh, have endurance. In the Lord, because that's what we need to continue on today. We need strength. We need endurance. To continue on in the Lord. But notice he says, patience and long-suffering with joy. You see, if you have patience and long-suffering without joy, you know, in your marriage, you're just tolerating each other. Amen. You you had to have patience and long-suffering, because you got to have patience and long-suffering to get along with folks. Amen. You got to have patience and long suffering to go through the trials and tribulations of life. And so therefore, we have to have God's strength, not our strength. That's why he says, he says, you have patience and long suffering. Oh, but with joy. With joy. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength. The Bible says in his presence is the fullness of joy. And as right hand are pleasures forevermore. Lord, I'm I'm patient, I'm long-suffering, but I need your presence. I need your joy. I need your strength to go through this. Paul says that you might be strengthened. The Greek word for strengthened is interesting. It's the word dynamo is the way it's pronounced. But it's where we get our word dynamo. Dynamo refers to a machine or uh, for converting, can be a machine that is uh, for converting Uh, mechanical energy into electrical energy. Uh, Other words, a generator. That you may be strengthened. A generator. And I thought about that. You know what? The Spirit of God is the generator which converts our weaknesses into power. Is the Spirit of God in you? Some of you aren't sure. The Bible says if you're in Christ, the Spirit of God lives inside of you, right? You are the temple of God. He's in you, right? And what does he do within you? He converts your weaknesses into strength. So, Pastor Al, I don't know about that. I know a little Bible myself. And, uh, but isn't that what the Bible teaches us? You know this passage. Many of you do. There in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Paul was praying and asking the Lord to take this thorn out of his flesh, this issue he had, and, and, and the Lord didn't remove it. And then Jesus showed up to him, and he said this. He said, and the Lord said to me, Paul said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in what? Weakness. 
weakness. Amen. My strength is perfected in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, Paul says, he says, I will rather boast in my infirmities and, and uh, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. When does the power of God rest on me? When I'm at my weakest. He generates, comes in my life, and has taken my weaknesses and generated and made it power through faith in him. Amen? That's something to rejoice over. That's why we can have joy and patience and long-suffering because we're dependent on the presence of God, the power of God within us to regenerate that weakness and to make it power through faith in Jesus Christ. Amen? Paul says, therefore, I'll rejoice in these things. My infirmities, the power of Christ might rest on me. I'm not relying on him, not on myself. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and in reproaches and in needs and persecutions and in distresses for Christ's sake. You've got to be a crazy man to say that. <laughs> but he's not crazy. He's confident in the power of God. And he knows that his weaknesses, his needs, distresses in his life are merely opportunities for the power of God to be manifested through his weakness. For when I am weak, there it is, then I am strong. Amen? Glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen? Praise the Lord. So walking worthy is pleasing God. Number one. Number two, it's being fruitful. Number three, it is abounding. It's abounding in God according to the power of God. The last thing we come to here that Paul points out regarding the manifestation of a life being filled with the knowledge of God's will is inheritance in Christ. When you're filled with the knowledge of God's will, you know you have an inheritance in Jesus Christ. And therefore, you are thankful. And so he says here in verse 12, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. Praise the Lord. You are qualified. You know what it means? It means you didn't earn it. God qualifies you to receive an inheritance through faith in Christ. You're qualified. You're in the bloodline. <laughs> You're part of the family. Your share is coming. Amen. And it's going to be glorious. And it's not like a lot of the inheritance stories I hear about. <laughs> Some of the nicest families become enemies because of the inheritance. Fighting over the money, you know. No, this inheritance is of God. And everyone receives an inheritance. Because why? Because God has qualified you. And how has he done that? Well, we'll see. Because verse 13 says, he has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love in whom we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins we have an inheritance in him because of the blood of Christ that was shed for us that has washed away all of our sins amen we're qualified through the veil the writer of Hebrews says through the veil of his flesh through Christ's sacrifice we have been qualified amen and because we have this inheritance, we don't want to live like the rest of the world. And so Peter says, once again here, in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 1, he says, Therefore, since, since Christ suffered for us, 
In the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind, for he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Why does he say we suffer in the flesh? Because the flesh wars against the spirit, and sometimes you've got to tell your flesh no, and it sits there and throws a temper tantrum, and you have to stand strong. Amen? That's the suffering in the flesh. Amen? And uh, he goes on to say, as another whole message, but he goes on to say that, that he... Uh, no longer that the individual, the Christian, may no longer, should, no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lust of men, but for the will of God. For we have spent enough time, wasted enough time of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lewdness, lust, drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties where people were drinking for the purpose of getting drunk. And abominable idolatries. In regard to these, they think it strange that you do not run with them in the same flood of dissipation, speaking evil of you. You know, some of you have experienced that with your friends, especially if you're a new Christian, been following the Lord for a while, and and your friends don't want to call you anymore. You're sort of the the downer at the party. They, you know, because you have a different spirit in you. Amen. And so they don't understand, man. Hey, man, come on, we're gonna knock this back tonight, man. We're gonna. Whatever they say today, I don't know. <laughs> we're going to, you know, we're going to do this, going to do that. We're going to go, whatever. No, I'm not, not into that, man. I, uh, but what, what are you doing Saturday, man? I'm going, or Sunday, you know, I'm going to church. What? The shock on their faces. Oh, my gosh. You know, like you told me you had cancer or something, you know. <laughs> and they speak evil of you. Verse 5 says, however, warns that they will give an account to him. Who is ready to judge the living and the dead. We have an inheritance for us. We'll stand before the one who judges the living and the dead. But we'll stand in the grace that we have through faith in Jesus Christ. We won't stand in judgment. We'll stand there to be rewarded as faithful servants of the most high God. Amen. So I have an inheritance. If I really believe that inheritance, I don't have any more time for that. You may be tempted with the things of the past or whatever, but you can't live there no more. You've been born again by the Spirit of God. And you have a glorious inheritance in Christ by the blood of Jesus Christ. He is our victory. And therefore, the prophet Isaiah writes in Isaiah 54, verse 17, that no weapon formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue which rises against you in judgment shall be condemned. This is the heritage, I love that, of the servants of the Lord. And their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. Amen? Oh, that's a glorious promise. So, yeah, we have an inheritance in heaven coming. Amen? And if heaven's before you, the best is always yet to come. That's an inheritance. We know we have a glorious inheritance, but that inheritance is given to us now. And we have a heritage that we live out here on the earth. Amen? And that is that heritage of victory through faith in Christ, that no weapon formed against me shall prosper because Jesus Christ is my righteousness. Amen? This is the heritage of God's people. Amen? And we can rejoice in that. Well, I've got to let you go home. Amen. (laughs) In conclusion, the deeper life is what we're talking about. This is what the whole theme is throughout the book of Colossians. The deeper life is a life of wisdom, spiritual understanding, godly conduct, and the knowledge of our inheritance. 
not where we've been, as I've often said, it's where we're going that counts. Amen. Father, we thank you for the call to the deeper life. We thank you, Lord, that you're calling us to seek you because you said to those who seek you with all their heart that they would find you. And so, Lord, I pray that you reveal yourself to us as we seek to go deeper in the knowledge of your will, the knowledge of Christ. If you're here today or watching online or if this is being broadcast on television and you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you don't know for certain if you're to die tonight, you go to heaven. You say, Pastor, I don't believe in the heaven and hell thing. Yeah, believe this, one out of one person dies. The real question is, what if I'm wrong? Well, I live the wonderful, I love my wife, I raise my kids. God has blessed my life. But what if you're wrong? The consequences are very dire. You don't have to leave this world without knowing Christ. You can leave this world knowing Christ, knowing your sins are forgiven, knowing that when you stand before God, God will look at you as his son or his daughter and welcome you into his kingdom. The pastor, I want to do that. I want to know that for certain in my life. Well, will you pray with me? Will you bow your head where you are, watching online where you are, on television, or in this auditorium, or upstairs? Will you bow your head with me? That's you. You want to know for certain? Your sins are forgiven and pray this simple simple prayer. Just repeat it after me. Simply say, Lord Jesus, I believe you are the son of God. I believe you died for my sins. And I believe that you are risen from the dead. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. I receive you today as my Lord and as my Savior. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's episode on the CWCCS podcast with Pastor Al Pittman. Now, check out Pastor Al's latest book. As we roll into 2021, it's good for you to review your finances. But what about your spiritual investments? Pastor Al Pittman's book about Revelation puts a bright light on a wise plan. There's a lot of people doing works in the name of the Lord, but there's to glorify themselves and not God. And our works will be tried by fire to see if they're of gold and precious metals or if they're of wood, hay, and stubble. God knows the real motivation of your heart. Revelation, Earth's final chapter, is a book that will take you through the amazing final words of the Bible. Remember, you can still adjust how your life ends. And he invites everyone to his wedding feast. The question is that mankind would have to answer every one of us here today, have we accepted his invitation? Get your copy of Revelation, Earth's final chapter by Al Pittman, where you buy books or online at cwccs.org. Oh, this is what we've been waiting for. This glorious day, return of Jesus Christ to the earth. If you haven't already, hit subscribe in your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. And if this message hit home for you, share it with a friend. You can also support this ministry and these free teachings by visiting cwccs.org and click on Give. While you're there, you can also find the full archive of teachings from Al Pittman by clicking on the sermons link. That's cwccs.org. Thanks for joining us. This podcast is presented by Calvary Worship Center of Colorado Springs.